Hello and welcome to the Chesbro Baptist Church podcast. This morning's message takes place in Genesis chapter number 26 and the title of the message is You Can Take My Well But You Cannot Take My Water and it is about facing opposition in the Christian life. So please enjoy. Genesis chapter number 26 this morning, Genesis chapter number 26, and uh, I'm going to go ahead and ask you to stand in respect and reverence to the Word of God. Uh, I like standing for the Bible, I just hadn't done it in a while, but uh, we might start that back, I really enjoy it. Uh, we're going to read verses 15 through 22 of Genesis chapter number 26. The Bible says, For all the wells which his father's servants had digged in the days of Abraham his father... The Philistines had stopped them and filled them with earth. And Abimelech said unto Isaac, Go from us, for thou art much mightier than we. And Isaac departed thence and pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar and dwelt there. And Isaac digged again the wells of water, which they had digged in the days of Abraham his father, for the Philistines had stopped them after the death of Abraham. And he called their names after the names which his father had called them. And Isaac's servants digged in the valley and found there a well of springing water. And the herdsmen of Gerar did strive with Isaac's herdsmen, saying, The water is ours. And he called the name of the well Essek, because they strove with him. And they digged another well and strove for that also. And he called the name of it Sitna. And removed from thence and digged another well. And for that well they strove not. And he called the name of it Rehoboth. And he said, For now the Lord hath made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. The title of my message this morning is this. You can take my well, but you can't take my water. Let's pray. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for what you've done for us. I pray that you'd bless the message this morning. I pray that you'd bless the Word of God. And I pray that you'd be with us in this service. Thank you for all you've done for us. For us in Jesus Christ's precious name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. During this time, just like in the times of his father Abraham, Isaac and uh, Israel has experienced famine. And God came to Isaac and God said, Isaac, I don't want you to go to Egypt. I don't want you to go to Egypt. He said, I want you to stay in the land that I've given to you. I want you to stay in the land that I gave to your father Abraham. But here's what Isaac did. Isaac went, to the, Isaac went to the Philistines. He went to the Philistines and he called, went to a town called Gerar. Now, Gerar was a town that his father Abraham had been to as well. The same thing happened to Abraham. Abraham had a famine and Abraham had to go somewhere. And Abraham went to Gerar as well. As well. So 97 years before Isaac went to Gerar, Abraham went to Gerar. And so and so he so both father and son they both went to this place and both father and son faced something that me and you are going to face today as Christians. You know what they faced? They faced something called opposition. If you are a Christian, if you are a believer in Christ, something that's going to come up in your life is opposition. Just like Abraham faced opposition and Isaac uh, faced opposition, you are going to face opposition. If you haven't already, (laughs) it's coming. Don't worry. You don't have to worry about that. It's on its way. It's unavoidable. 
hey, you know what? But they faced opposition from the locals in this town called Gerar. Now, like I said, opposition is out there today, especially for Christian. Especially for Christian, we're going to face opposition. The world opposes us. They oppose us for what we believe in. They oppose us for what we stand for. They oppose us for what we preach. They want to undo the work that's already been done. They want to prevent us from accomplishing anything else in the name of God. Anything you do for the Lord, the world wants to undo it. They not only want to undo your work for God, they want to ensure that you no longer do any other work for God. They don't want you to accomplish things for for the Lord. Here we have a story of a man with a trade. He's got a trade. You know what his trade is? He's a well digger. That's what he does. He's He's good at it. It's his trade. Anybody that lives out in the country can tell you you don't always have access to community water and you got to have a well. Love the taste of well water. Man, love the taste. Well water is some good water. See, but back, but back in the Bible day, they couldn't hook up the city water. They had to have a well. It was a necessity. It, it played a significant role. Wells played a more significant role back then than they do today. But you understand that today we have machines and and we have trucks and we have drills, but they didn't have that back then. They had to dig these wells by hand. Let me tell you something about these wells. These wells are precious. They were difficult to dig and they were expensive to dig. They were very, very expensive. And it's a significant attack to fill up somebody's well. Man, you really, really hate that person. You really, really hate that person if you want to fill up someone's well. And for nomadic herdsmen like Abraham and Isaac, water was life. Water was life. And there were seasons where the land couldn't support animal or even human life because there was no water. It couldn't be sustained without water. Wells were not a luxury. I want to tell you this morning, wells were not a luxury. Wells were a necessity. You had to have the wells. You had to have it. Verse 18 in our chapter, you just look, when I call out a verse, you just look back at it. Verse 18, and Isaac digged again the wells of water, which they had digged in the days of Abraham his father. For the Philistines had stopped them after the death of Abraham. And he called their names after the names by which his father had called them. So the Philistines, what they had done is they had come, they hated Abraham so much that they came to these wells and they took trash and they took rubble and they took dirt and they took wood and they took stones and anything they could get their hands on to throw down into this well. Maybe they'd even take a dead cow and throw it in there so nobody else could use it. And they did whatever they could to fill these wells up to stop these wells. Why? Because they, you know, they must have really hated Abraham and his family. And I don't get this because Abraham, when Abraham leaves, the wells are still there. Anybody can use the wells. The Philistines could use the wells. Why would you shoot your own self in the foot? Somebody else did the work. Somebody else did the labor. You can reap the benefits from it. Why are you going to fill this well up when you can use it? See, that's what the worldly people do, though. They know you have the answer. They know you have the solution. 
They know you have the fix to the problem, but they don't want what you got. They don't want to hear you. No. I know you can help me. I know you got the answer. You got the solution. I don't want it. That's what the world and worldly people can do to us sometimes. This opposes and opposes and it doesn't make any logical sense, but they keep coming after us and they keep coming after us and they keep coming after us. Let me tell you, the world today will try to undo the work of God. They want to fill in those wells. They wanted to stop Isaac's work and they wanted to stop it for the following reason. Reason number one, they wanted to stop it for his past failures. They wanted to stop Isaac for his past failures. Let's look at verse number seven in this chapter. And the men of the place asked him of his wife, and he said, She is my sister, for he feared to say, She is my wife, lest said he, The men of, this, of the place should kill me for Rebekah, because she was fair to look upon. Now, have you ever heard the old saying, The apple does not fall far from the tree? That is quite literally the case in this case. 97 years earlier, Abraham was in this same town, and Abraham was here, and he did the same thing uh, that I, that he, he did the same thing with his wife. He said, oh, he, he was so afraid of his life, and he thought, my wife's so pretty that if I tell people that I'm, I'm, a, I'm her husband, they'll kill me to get to her. So uh, he told everybody that she was his sister, and it, it didn't make any sense. It was a sin. It was wrong. It was wrong for him to do that. Why? Because he was, he was putting the value of his life over his wife's. It was a very, very selfish thing to do. Well, that's what Abraham did. Well, guess what? Isaac did the exact same thing. Isaac went in here and he said, oh, this isn't, a, this isn't my wife. This is my sister. And, uh, you know, this is just to protect my life and uh, just to watch out for me. And, and, and uh, that's what he told people. Well, the Bible says that old Abimelech was looking out the window and the Bible says, it says something funny. It says he, the, the Abimelech the king saw Isaac sporting with his wife. He looked out that window and he said, Isaac, that's your, what, what you doing out there smooching on your sister? She's not your sister. You wouldn't be smooching on her. And so uh, he, he called him out on his lie. And of course, Isaac had to come clean. It's like, you're right, king. You're right. Uh, She's, she, she's not my, she, my sister, she's my wife. He's like, why in the world would you do this? Sometimes as Christians, we shoot our own selves in the foot. Let me tell you something. For someone who already wasn't welcome there, lying didn't do Isaac any favors. For somebody who was already not welcome there, lying really, really messed things up. Let me tell you something, Christians, you need to be careful because the world is going to pull up your past mistakes and try to throw them in your face. Let me tell you something. Jesus may forgive, but the world never forgets. They don't forget. They're going to look back in your past, and they're going to dig up things, and they're going to find things, and they're going to throw them back in your face and say, look what you did. Look here. This is why I don't believe in your God. This is why you're going to fail. This is why you're not going to make it. Look what you did. Look, look, look. And they're going to point it out, and they're going to put it in your face and push it in your face, and they're going to try and stop you by your past failures. And that's exactly what they tried to do here. They tried to stop Isaac because of his past failures. You know what else they tried to stop? Another reason why they tried to stop Isaac? Another reason why they, the first was his past failures and second was his present blessings. His present blessings. Let's look at verse number 13 and 14. 
And the man waxed great and went forward and grew until he became very great. For he had possessions of flocks and of flocks and possession of herds and a great store of servants. And the Philistines envied him. You know why the world wants us to be quiet? You know why the world wants to shut the work of God down? They'll never admit it. But here, here's why. Because they're jealous. Because they're envious of what we have. Because they don't have it and they know it. They're jealous of our peace. They're jealous of the, of the blessings that we receive and they don't. While, uh, while they're full of worry, we're not. Have you ever heard the old expression, misery loves company? That's exactly true. They're miserable and they want you to be miserable along with them. They can't stand the fact that we don't worry like they do. They, they, they can't stand the fact that we believe in something and they don't. They can't stand the fact that their philosophers and their college professors sit around for days and weeks and years on end trying to contemplate what the meaning of life is and they can't come up with an answer and me and you can stand up with old King, uh, King James 1611 Bible and say, I've got the purpose of life. There it is right there. So this, this question that your philosophers and your college professors have been, uh, have been uh, uh, contemplating on all their life, I can give you a couple verses and give you the meaning of life. And that's what they can't stand. They can't stand that about us. They can't stand our present blessings. And you know what another reason why they want to stop us? Because of our future accomplishments. Our future accomplishments. Look with me at verse number 16. And Abimelech said unto Isaac, Go from us, for thou art much mightier than we. The, kings, the king looked at Isaac and said, You know what? You're stronger than I am. You're mightier than I am. You got to go. You got to get out of here. The king didn't want anybody in his kingdom that was more powerful than he was. How could he maintain control of his kingdom knowing that there was this guy that lived under his authority who could overthrow him if he wanted to? See, they want to they wanna suppress and they want to oppose us because we have the potential to take the control away from them. That's what they're scared of. You know, uh, they, can, they say to us, you know what? Um, what um, let me see how I worded this here. We can say, uh, we want you to be quiet. I'm trying to read my writing. Please, trying. this is a good point. I want to get it across. They say, okay, we can say what we want, and you better be quiet, okay? But if you say what you want to say, we're going to be offended. Oh, I'm offended. Oh, I'm offended by that nativity scene. Oh, I'm offended by you reading the, reading the Bible, but when we say something, oh, well, that's wrong too. See why? Because they're losing control. They want to always maintain control. You start taking control away from worldly people and see how nasty they can get. Don't believe me? Look at Congress. What happens when you try to take control away from worldly people? They're going to claw and they're going to scratch and they're going to gnash at their teeth to try to get that control back by any means necessary. doesn't matter if it's a lie. doesn't matter if it's truth. Anything they can do to get their control back. That's why they're afraid of us. They're afraid of us because they know if, if, if they didn't oppose us, 
If they let us do what, what the Bible teaches, guess what? We would take over. We would have revival. And they don't want that. See, just like Isaac, the world and worldly people, and you know what? Even backslidden Christians are going to give you relentless, frustrating opposition. And you know what we need to do as Christians? We need to know how to handle that opposition. We need to know how to do it. This morning, I've got three principles that helped Isaac through his opposition. I'm going to give them to you very quickly. You know, you know when, a, when a Baptist preacher tells you he's going to do something quickly, you better buckle down. You're going to be there a minute. Okay? I've got three principles this morning that I want to give you that helped Isaac through his opposition. Principle number one was his dedication to his faith. His dedication to his faith. I want to tell you this morning that Isaac was a Christian. Isaac was a, was a man of God who remembered what he was taught. He remembered what he was taught. Verse number 18. And Isaac digged again the wells of water which they had digged in the days of Abraham his father. For the Philistines had stopped them after the death of Abraham. And he called them their names after the names by which his father had called them. Isaac remembered when he was a kid, he remembered dad taking him out to the field. And he remembered dad giving him a shovel. And he remembered, all right, watch me and you do like I do. And he remembered the first time his dad taught him how to dig a well. He remembered the first time his dad taught him how to work, and, 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 and we can remember that too. He remember the first time he showed how to do something. I remember the first time I was showed, my, my uncles are plumbers, and I remember the first time uh, I was shown how to, how to dig a ditch. And, uh, you know, I'm a pretty good ditch digger, you know. And, uh, you know, I just remember things like that. I remember my dad showing me how to change oil in a car and, and things like that. And I remember things, but, you know, I also remember my mom taking me to church. And I remember my mom reading me the Bible. And I remember when I was a kid sitting in church and listening to men, men in the church talk. And I remember my preacher getting up and preaching the word of God. And I remember those things from when I was young. I remember those principles and those things that I was, that I was taught. And, you know, and, and let me tell you something. The, the spiritual resources that sustained previous generations are still here for us. They're still here for us. Hey, you know what? If they were available to, 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 your, to your mom and dad, they're available to you. If they were available to grandma or grandpa, they're still available to you. If they were available to Abraham and Isaac, they're still available to you. The same resources they had are the same resources we have. The wells of peace, the wells of power, the wells of grace, and the wells of wisdom. And the wells of transformation, they're all available for us today, just like they were in the past. But the question is this. The question is whether this present generation has enough faith to go dig the wells themselves. Do you have enough faith to go dig up the resources that the previous generations had? Hey, you know what? The previous generations, they, they received peace. They receive peace. But you know what? If, if you want that peace, you can have that peace too. But you got to go dig it up. The previous generation, hey, they, they, had the, they, had, they had the wells of power. 
Man, you can look back on the, the great revivals and the great awakenings in the past and you see the power of God as it went through a nation, as it went through America and as it went through England and, and, and you see these great powerful leather lung preachers filling up uh, coliseums with the word of God and these preachers weren't, weren't tickling ears like some of the preachers today. They were preaching hellfire and they were preaching damnation and they were preaching the word of God and they were preaching on sin and they were filling these coliseums up through the power of God. That power is still available today but the problem is, is we, have a, uh, we have a generation that's not willing to dig for it. They don't want to dig for it. They want everything handed to them. Hand it to me. Give me this power of God you're talking about. Give it. If you give it to me, I'll take it. No, I can't give you the power of God. You got to dig for it yourself. Do you have enough faith to dig for that power? What about the well of grace? Grace is available. We talked about grace last week. It's an inexhaustible, unlimited resource. But bless God, you got to dig for it. You got to dig for the grace and wisdom. Wisdom is in this book, but it's not going to just jump out and jump in your head. You have to search for it and you have to dig for it and you have to ponder it and you have to think about it and you have to meditate on it. You have to seek it out. You have to seek out wisdom. It's not going to just come in by itself. You got to seek it. Isaac went back to the same resources that have sustained his father and all he possessed. You know what? I see also here that he, the Bible says that he called them what Abraham called them. He called them by the same name that his father called them by. He used the same names. You know, we need to use the same names. If it was a sin in the past, it's a sin today. Let me tell you something. I don't hate homosexuality. I don't, ho I, I don't hate homosexuals. I don't. I want them to be saved. I want, Christ, I want Christ in their life. But let me tell you something. It's the, you may call it today an alternate lifestyle, but this Bible calls it sin. You cannot get away from that. Times may change. Doctrines do not the Bible does not change. Sin is sin. If it's been sin in the past, it's sin today. It doesn't change. We need to call things like it is. We need to call this Bible, we need to call it the Word of God because that what it is, it is the very breathed words of God in this book. It's precious and it means something. Hey, Jesus, Jesus isn't a way to heaven. He is the only way to heaven because Jesus' life, call it like it is. Times may change, but doctrines do not. There's a, there was a church on, uh, on the internet a couple days ago that had put on their, put on, put, put on their, put on their, uh, on their sign outside. They were, they were just saying what the Bible said. Homosexuality is a sin. The Bible says it's a sin. It's always been a sin. Oh, and they're, they're, oh, it's a hate crime. They did it in California of all places. You know, people got up in arms about it. They're just saying, calling it what it is. 
Sin is sin. I'm sorry. It is what it is. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 11, 2, Now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things and keep the ordinances as I have delivered them to you. Let me tell you something. You need to be dedicated to your faith and the fact that you need to call back on the doctrines you were taught and you need to remember the precepts you, were lear you learned and you need to recall the instructions you were given. Don't forget. Don't forget those things. When you're facing opposition and when the world comes upon you and the world wants to stop you in your tracks and the world wants to destroy you personally you remember those things you were taught in your faith you remember those things we see also under dedication to his faith that he honored God through all of this let's read verse number 25 he builded an altar there and called upon the name of the Lord and pitched his tent there, and their Isaac's servants digged a well. He was going through so much trouble. He was going through so much turmoil. Yet through all of that, guess what he did? He found the time to build an altar. He found a time to build an altar to God. See, Isaac walked the same path that Abraham did. Every time Abraham turned around, he built, it, he, he built an altar. And that's exactly what Isaac did. Altars and tents, altars and tents marked Abraham's life. They were demonstrating Abraham's worship and they were demonstrating Abraham's trust in God. And he had a young boy who looked up to him and saw him and saw the faith that daddy had and said, I want the same kind of faith that my daddy had. Daddies, your kids seeing that faith in you? Is my kids seeing that faith in me? Maybe. I hope so. Isaac lived that way too, constantly calling on the name of the Lord. Sometimes we get so busy fighting the fight, we forget about the person we're fighting for. We get so busy and so wrapped up in this thing of fighting this fight that we forget to talk to God. We forget to spend time with him. We forget the fellowship with him. Man, Isaac was a busy dude. You understand how much time and effort it, it takes to, 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 dig, uh, to dig, a, dig a well with a shovel? And he had digged well after well after well, and he had all these men, and he had all, this, all these things that he, he had. He had all these irons in the fire, but he still found time to build an altar. He still found the time to build an altar. He still found the time to honor God. And that's exactly what we need to do. Don't forget the dedication to your faith. Number two, another principle that helped Isaac through this opposition was his desire for his work. Was desire for his work. Verse number 12 says that Isaac sowed in the land. Prosperity came to Isaac as a blessing upon his hard work. You know, he probably received enough of an, of, his, of an inheritance to his father to not have to work. He got enough, probably got enough money from his daddy. He didn't have to work. But you know what he did? He worked nonetheless. God blessed it. He became very prosperous. Isaac sowed in the land. He didn't live off the land. He put back in to the land. Let me ask you a question. What would you rather do? Would you rather go out and sit in a deer stand, A, or B, you could either sit in a deer stand, or B, you can go hoe a garden? I'd rather sit in the deer stand, to be honest with you. I don't want to go work in a garden. 
I want to I want to sit in a deer stand. I want that deer to come to me. Okay. You know what the problem is, though? The problem is we got a lot of deer stand Christians in today's churches. I'm going to sit here. I'm going to let God's blessings find me instead of me going out and finding God's blessings for myself. We have a lot of deer stand Christians in our churches today. And what we need in our churches today is we need churches who will put their, we need Christians in churches who will put their hand to a plow. That will put their hand to a plow. You, you know what's a blessing to this preacher? What's a blessing to this preacher here is to have people, because people in the church come to me and say, I want to work. Put me somewhere. Tell me what you need me to do. I love that. Hey, we will fill up all the positions we have. And if I still have people come to me and asking me for work, I'll make up a position. I'll make up a job for you to do. Because we want everybody to serve. We want everybody to serve. We need Christians like that today. We need Christians who are not afraid to work. The Bible says Isaac digged a well, verse number 19. And Isaac's servants digged in the valley and found their well of springing water. They found a well of springing water. Who in here you know what an artesian well is? An artesian well is a well you tap into it and you don't have to pump that water. It just gushes and gushes and gushes. My dad's got a camp on the Bogachita River. And I remember when I was a kid going down there and the well that the, at his camp was an artesian well. And out the side of the riverbank was a long two-inch PVC pipe. And that even when that we wasn't using the water, that water shot that far out of the pipe into the, into the river. And it was cold, and it was good, and it was crisp, and it was clean. And, and me and my nephews would go over there, and we would stand under that water, and we'd drink that water. And even one time, me and my nephew were out there, and there was a snake in between us. And I reached over and grabbed him by the neck, and I didn't, I didn't walk on water, but I came real close. Okay? <laughs> Get, getting away from that snake. And then I looked over and I was still holding my nephew by his neck. I was like, oh, I'm sorry about that. Uh, I don't do snakes. But, man, we'd go over there and we'd go to that well of springing water. Let me tell you what they did here. Because they put the work in, the work gave back to them. Let me tell you something. Let me give you a truth today. Work is its own, can be its own reward. Work can be its own reward. Don't be a lazy Christian. Christian, don't be a lazy person. Don't be lazy. When Isaac didn't know what else to do, you know what he did? He worked. He worked. It may have just been digging wells, but you know when he was digging wells and giving God the glory at the same time. You can work on cars for Christ. You can drive a truck for Christ. You can raise cattle for Christ. You can put on a badge for Christ. Anything you do. The Bible says in Colossians 3.23, And whatsoever ye do, do it hardly as to the Lord and not unto man. Let me tell you something. You think you have a human being as your supervisor at work. That may be the case. But that's not your final boss. Sam, you may think that Sam Walton kids are at the top of your totem pole, but they're not. You know who you work for when you clock in at your job? You're working for God. You may not be in a, you may not be in a church house. You may be at your secular job. When you clock in, you're clocking in for God. He's the one you're working for. 
Anywhere you go, he is the one you're working for today. This generation coming up doesn't know what hard work is. They do not know what hard work is. They'd rather spend thousands of dollars, go, go way into debt to go get a college degree, and then after they get that college degree, go sit at mama's house because the, the market is saturated with people those degrees, waiting on a job when they could get a trade and go to work and make just as much money and sometimes more money. Now how come they don't want to do that? Because they don't want to get their hands dirty. They don't want to get their hands dirty. Everybody knows how I work on cars. And, uh, you know, I, can, I, I have these little cracks in my fingers, okay? And I can go, Joe, and I can purple power, and I can don, I can comment, I can scrub. I can't get the grease on that little crack in my finger. <laughs> you know what I tell people? The only thing that gets the grease out of the, those cracks in my finger? A week vacation. That's it. A week vacation is the only way I can get that little grease out of the cracks in my fingers. Hey, but you know what? It is about, you, it's about work. Work. Man, people think that work is a four-letter word. This generation today does not know how to work. They're afraid to get dirty. And they're lazy. There was one thing you did not say around my family. Is you as a kid, well, we weren't kids. We were chaps. We was a chap. There was something that a chap was not allowed to say. A chap was not allowed to say, I'm bored. You do not say that. I said that. I made the mistake of saying that one time, and my Uncle Bobby heard it. And he said, bored? Bored? And he went and he got a shovel, and he handed me the shovel. And he said, I want you to dig this. I'm going to tell you why I'm a good ditch digger. He said, I want you to dig a ditch from here to over there. I want it two shovels wide and two shovels deep. I got done digging the, digging the ditch, and I come back to him, and I said, what now? And he said, now go fill it in. So I came back, and I filled it in, and I came back to him. I said, what you want? A couple hours later, I said, what you want me to do now? He said, Brett, are you still bored? I said, no. <laughs> I am not bored anymore. I am, I am okay. Give me a pine cone or something. I will be fine. We see number three this morning. Let me hurry through this. There's food in the back. Number three was the determination to his commitment. The determination to his, his commitment. The Bible says that he pitched his tent not far from Gerar. I want to tell you this morning that Isaac deferred, but he didn't quit. He deferred, but he didn't quit. And I'm going to explain that in a minute. Isaac didn't want to continue to battle because he was confident that wherever he was, God could take care of him. So you know what? He left, he departed, but he didn't go far. He deferred, but he did not quit. Deference is something that most Baptists today won't do. I'm explain that in just a second. Let me read you a verse. What does the Bible say about this? Matthew 23, 12. And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. Okay, let me tell you that Isaac had the power, he had the money, he had the manpower, manpower to put up a good fight and probably win. But you know what he did? And said he deferred. So you know what? I'm going to choose not to fight. I'm going to choose not to do it. Why? Why did he do that? 
Not only, if he, if he would have fought them instead of deferring to them, if he'd have fought them, not only would he burn his bridge with these people, but he would be fighting for the rest of his life. And Isaac was wise enough to know this. Yeah, old so-and-so's in the wrong, but if you take the bait and fight them, which is what they want you to do, they're trying to draw you into a fight. If you take the bait and you fight them, then your life is going to be full of contention for the rest of your life. If, they, if you let them draw you in. You see this morning, this wasn't an attack on his God. This wasn't an attack on his religion. This was a personal attack on Isaac. This was a personal attack. And instead of fighting that fight, he just deferred. Let me just keep the peace. Let me just move a little bit over here and see if we can't all just get along. What does the Bible say? The Bible says that he digged again and again. Six times in this chapter, the Bible says that he digged again. And that's not how many wells he digged. That's just how many times that, 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 it, that, it, that, it, that it, this chapter uses the phrase. It took commitment to dig those wells. He was committed to it. The provision was there. Isaac just had to seek after it. He was committed to this thing. He called the name of the first well Essek. The, and, he, that, and that means contention because it made others jealous. A second well, he called it Sitna. And that name means opposition for the same reason. He called the name of the third Rehoboth. And Rehoboth, the third well, that means roominess. That means roominess because it was far enough away not to be a problem. See, Isaiah saw this as a testimony to God's faithfulness and blessing. Isaac saw these blessings as they rightly were. Not a result of his hard work, but a result of God's blessings. See, he wasn't prideful. He was humble, but he was committed to it. Just uh, time and time again, you, commit, you, you get me after this, I'm just going to do it serve for God again. You stop me on that, I'm going to find another way to serve God. I'm going to find another way to serve God because I'm dedicated and I'm committed to this. The Bible says in Proverbs 16, 3, listen to this. Commit thy works unto the Lord and thy thoughts shall be established. Commit thy works unto the Lord. When your burden is too heavy, lean on the Lord. When your burden is too much, commit it to the Lord. Lean on him. Let me tell you something today. Isaac was frustrated. Isaac was tired. And Isaac was discouraged. Have you ever been frustrated? Have you ever been tired? Have you ever been discouraged? What did Isaac do? He persevered. He was dedicated. He was committed. He didn't quit. He kept going on. Commit thy works unto the Lord and thy thoughts shall be established. That means your plans are going to are are prosper. Okay? If you commit your work unto the Lord, you lean onto him, you're committed to this cause, you're dedicated, what's going to happen is your plans are going to prosper. And, and they're going to be undertaken by the will of God, and your plans are going to be carried by the aid of God. Psalms 37.5 says a similar thing. It says, commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. You're going to feel like Isaac one day. You're going to feel like him. Everything, in the, everything you do, the world is going to try to take away from you. Let me tell you very, some three simple words today. Don't give up. What do you do when, when opposition from the world comes up? You do three things. Number one, you lean on your faith. Number two, you work hard. 
And number three, you don't give up. Now, very quickly, I want to show you some results of Isaac doing this. I want you to see the results of Isaac doing these three things. Result number one is in verse number 26 and 28. The Bible says, Then Abimelech went to him from Gerar, and Uzzath, one of his friends, and, uh, and Phicol, uh, the chief captain of his army, and Isaac said unto them, Wherefore come ye unto me, seeing ye hate me, and have sent me away from you? And they said, We saw certainly that the Lord was with thee, and said, Let there be now an oath betwixt us, even betwixt us and thee, and let us make a covenant with thee. The first result of this is the world recognized the Lord in Isaac. The world, if you stay faithful, if you lean on your faith and you work hard and you don't give up, eventually the world is going to see God in you. The world is going to see Christ in you. Uh, eventually, because Isaac stayed faithful, the men who saw his hurt, they began to seek God. They began to seek God. You see, uh, uh, sometimes that's why sometimes it's better to defer than to fight. Because if you burn a bridge with someone, then you lose an opportunity to witness that person in the future. If you burn a bridge with someone, then, then, then you lose an opportunity in the future. Isaac could have fought and probably won and probably killed some of Abimelech's men in, 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 in the process, but he would have missed out on the peace of God and he had been fighting for the rest of his life. Defer sometimes. You don't have to fight every battle. You don't, you don't have to do that. Sometimes we just got to keep the peace. Don't seek drama. Run away from drama. Number two, the second result this morning. The first result is the world recognized the Lord in him. The second result is they left him in peace. He had peace. Verse number 31, and they rose up beat times in the morning and swear one to another and Isaac sent them away and they departed from him in peace. Now, now, did Isaac never fight again? No, no. But this battle, this particular battle, Isaac won. Isaac won this battle. Let peace be your goal. Don't live for drama. Don't live for contention. Yeah, you, you, you could, you, you, you know, we, we get to these things where we, we rehearse stuff. You know, you may be thinking of a really good burn. You may be thinking of a really good put down. And you've been rehearsing on it, and you know just how you're going to tell this person off, and you know how you're going to hold your hand, and you know what, you know what, uh, uh, what uh, uh, emphasis you're going to put on which words, and you've, and, and you've memorized it, and you've went over this burn, oh, if they, next time I see them, and they bring up this subject, I know what I'm going to say. And you've been rehearsing, and you know it, but let me ask you a question, is that really going to bring peace, or is that just going to stir the hornet's nest back up? And then the third result is the Lord. I want you to see here that the Lord restored him. Let's look at verse 32. And it came to pass that same day that Isaac's servants came and told him concerning the well which they had digged and said unto him, we have found water. They were just digging around, just messing around, and God gave them water again. Let me tell you something. God began to restore what he had lost. God began to restore to Isaac what he had lost. People may ask me, how do I get back what I had in the past? How do I, uh, how do I restore what's been taken from me? 
How do I restore that relationship with God that I once had? How do I restore that? I'll tell you how to restore it. Lean on your faith. Work hard. And don't give up. And God will restore you. World, hey, you may can take my will, but you'll never be able to take my water. Every head bowed, every eye closed.